This show is brought to you by Safety FM. From the border of Liberty Prosperity and the highway to the north. It helps when your microphone is near you. Let's try that again. From the border of Liberty Prosperity and the highway to north, this is Safety Wars. Have a solemn Kwanzaa. Have a Merry Christmas. I hope all our Jewish friends and family enjoyed Hanukkah last week. Yes, I am here. What's the big story for today, December 26th? 2022 there's only five more days to the end of the year so make sure i'm not a financial guy but make sure you make all your 529 uh contributions and all your retirement contributions and whatever uh charities you support all of their contributions uh now by the end of this week by friday Right, you got to let the financial stuff go through, run through, and everything else. So it gets in under this year. How's your holiday out there? Hold on, we got some background noise with festivities from the Pozel household. Hold on. Anyway, they're playing Uno. We play very cutthroat games of Uno in our family, going way back. So, I still stand by my original assessment from last week. And this is going to be a running theme, I think, for 2023. How are we being controlled? How are we being put on edge inside and outside the work area? The inside and outside your workplace, inside and out inside your institution and everything else because I tell you what uh, no we had uh, no we, we enjoyed our Christmas weekend this weekend uh, as everyone knows uh, this is the first year without my dad first Christmas without my dad it was a little bit solemn a little bit melancholy we started off with as we always do Charlie's birthday Charlie the bear 47 years his birthday this uh, Saturday right it started out with a uh, it gives us some time to reflect on everything that's happened this year mourn celebrate for Christmas past and this freezes up to enjoy the rest of the celebrations So uh, I I go to and I'm, now this isn't going to turn into a religion show uh, anytime soon at least right unless the apocalypse is looming out there. What was the message? The Christmas Eve message from uh, my minister, Pastor Tice. Touch on a lot of points, but the big one was everything is going to work out one way or another. That was the big one. And don't worry. That was one of the major themes. And that's what we're about here in part, right? Everything's going to work out. Don't you worry. 
there's a lot of songs out there on not worrying, right? One of them was from September 1988. How do I remember it? Because it was my first week at college and it was don't worry, be happy, right? But let's be realistic. Some no, there are things that you need to be concerned about, things you don't need to concern be concerned about, and everything along the lines. So and we're all about building capacity here, especially with one of our themes, especially every September with disaster preparation. And we're going to expand on that again. This will be our third week, uh, third year covering it uh, this year coming up in September. So stay tuned on either the podcast or live show. What's been all over the news, especially here in New York, because we've had, as of uh, this evening, 27 confirmed deaths in Erie County and one in Niagara County in New York. And uh, it's believed that it's going to increase even more due to the storm and lake effect snow. Uh, There's been varying reports all over the Midwest and wherever the storm has hit, up to 50 people dead so far. Uh, Where where are people dying? Right? And, you know, of course, it's news and commentary here that we do. So, uh, they have a breakdown here in New York. They're saying that some of the people, the number of dead is now higher than the blizzard in 1977 where 23 people died. I remember that blizzard, that hit New Jersey. Uh, Same week, I believe. Officials added 12 weather-related deaths this morning to 13 announced. Uh, They they have not yet released their identities, ages, genders, or anything like that. But a number of people died of cardiac arrest from shoveling snow. Uh, there was a literally four foot of snow and all through the Midwest. I haven't kept up on this. I'm sure we're going to do a summation that by the end of this week on all of this. So what are we talking? And we got people without power. We've had a lot of people in uh, my metro New York City area without power up in uh, Orange County area over there. And throughout the Midwest, tens of thousands of people without power. What's one of the major problems we have? And it came to the forefront starting Moore County, uh, North Carolina, uh, earlier this month, where uh, some people who had political issues, they went and vandalized the local power equipment. I'm not going to go into how, uh, but they vandalized it and knocked that power for the whole region. Uh, we've had uh, this week a uh, bunch of burglars do the same thing up in Washington, knock out power to several thousand people reportedly. That's Washington State. We've had since 2014 something like 600 different attacks on the power grid. We've had up until fairly recently a government uh, a government. Uh, program, a government commission on the effects of electromagnetic pulses to the power grid. And things have not moved in the congressional arena on that. We've had attacks on the power grids. Not too much has happened with them on a lot of power grids. They've been slowly upgrading some of the security features and everything else. But 
we can't do anything about anything about what the government does or doesn't do. Can't do it. Nothing, there's nothing we can do about it. So we have to figure out what we're going to do about it. How are we going to prepare? How are we going? What are we going to do about severe cold weather? And then in the opposite, what are we going to do with hot weather? In the middle, yeah, you could, you know, it's a little bit easier to manage in the spring and in the fall. Right? Uh, no, early spring a little bit harder, late fall a little harder, uh, or autumn, right? I should say autumn, like all good radio people. Summer could be a little bit harder to manage because of the heat, especially if you have an intolerance to heat. What, uh, now, uh, so what were some of the issues here? We had extreme cold. We had snow. It was for several days prior to the storm and everything. That's, you know, this has uh, been an issue. So what do we have? This is right off of radio.gov. First, let's go. Let me back. Before I get that, let's go back a little bit more. From the AP, Western New York toll, toll, death toll. Uh, this is just... Uh, Updated rises to 28 from storm chaos. Uh, and it's still snowing in some areas. You have what's called lake effect snow. They may get another nine uh, inches here. We have over in looters raid stores closed by devastating Christmas storm that left 50 dead and millions without power. Right, and that's nationwide. That was as updated uh, this afternoon, 12, 13 Eastern time. That tolls allegedly going to go up higher. Southwest Airlines hit by massive disruptions and flight cancellations. 64% of their flights are canceled. Four feet of snow up there in uh, there. So. I don't know how long it's even going to take uh, to get out of this situation, but let's talk about this. I'm looking at a map and almost down in Jay Allen land somewhere in northern Florida. It's 38 degrees and we're getting a uh, cell out by the Dakotas minus 17. My, what the, this is what the wind chill minus 17, minus 22, one degree minus 12 over here in Rockland County, New York, 22 degrees wind chill. It's going to be lovely in tomorrow when I do my audits out in the snow. Well, not in the snow, but in the cold. So what's my whole point here with, uh, with everything? All right. You cannot do a damn thing about uh, about what the government does or doesn't do. There's nothing you can do about it. So the question is, what are you going to do? First, what do you have to plan for? I got up ready.gov here and uh, okay, power outages. This is the update in October this year. 
Uh, I think we covered this one time before. Extended power outages may impact the whole community and the economy. A power outage is when the electrical power goes out unexpectedly. A power outage may does four things that they list. Disrupt communications, water and transportation, close retail businesses, grocery stores, gas stations, ATMs, banks, and other services, cause food spoilage, water contamination, and prevent the use of medical uh, devices. There was a book that came out several years ago by William Forshin, One Second After, and then he had, like, One Year After was another one. It's a fictionalized uh, uh, account of what could happen if something happened, if... Uh, there's an electromagnetic pulse attack on the United States and and, the, uh, and like a lot of these disaster novels that are out there, they focus on a small town in the middle of nowhere. And this is a uh, town of Black Mountain, North Carolina. It's centered around and small town in western North Carolina. And uh, what's the population? 700, 800, 7,848. And it goes through the whole sequence of events without power. So what happens is the uh, phone, you know, all of these things happen. But within a year, people who need medical care are pretty much gone. So you're talking your type one diabetics that need insulin to survive. I've read that they have from without insulin, they had an 18 month life uh, span, roughly most uh, diabetics in the 1920s, type one, type two, you could do without medication for a short time and then you run into problems. So within a one year, an, an EM attack, an EM attack in the book, the United States is described as having 30 million survival down 90% from a pre-attack population of 300 million. In the book, uh, the uh, we were invaded by Republic of China and uh, Mexico. And it goes on and on and on with that. Uh, what, what happens? We know already when uh, we went through the lockdown. And this is when we had power. Supermarkets are empty, right? Supply chains are disrupted, to say the least. Without power, you ain't getting anything here. And you're left to fend for yourself. And that's what the point of the book. Let's, how does this apply to our situation? One of my relatives in eastern Pennsylvania, her heat went out with the severe cold. Now what's she have to worry about? Not only with staying warm with her and her pet, uh, dog, but also pipes freezing. How you? What are you going to do about that? There are many different things you could do about that. I'm not right with that. Portable heaters. Uh, my grandmother used to let keep the water running slightly at a drift. This way, moving water doesn't is a lot more difficult to uh, freeze. When you get to this extreme cold, I don't know if that would necessarily work. Pipes freeze in the house. Now you got a flood. With this cold weather, I think your food spoilage is going to be at a minimum, but how are you going to do to heat it up? With an extended supply chain issue, now you have issues of medication, fuel, uh, 
some people uh, they had, uh, I know, were camping out in their cars because why? Their cars had heat. But how long is that going to last? Then you have people who were freezing to death in Buffalo on the way to the store because they ran out of food in the house. With today's economic uh, times that we're experiencing out there, we know what they are, hyperinflation, which was, by the way, predicted many years ago. My family had to live with it in Europe, and uh, right after World War One, in Germany, that's one of the reasons why they came over to the United States was hyperinflation. Right, uh, everything going on over there, uh, hyperinflation, things cost more money. Maybe your Christmas was a little bit more sparse this year, and other holidays because of this. Now you have access. No retail businesses are open. Now we have looters. What are they looting? Are they going to be reselling items, right? Food, everything else that goes in there? Presumably in this book, right, the whole economy collapses. So you're back to an anarchist slash barter economy. Grocery stores closed. A lot of the grocery stores were still closed today, this, uh, today, or they had limited hours. Gas stations without power. Let's say that you're running off of fuel oil. You can often get fuel oil, uh, right, from a regular fuel station. Well, guess what? You can't get that, even a five-gallon thing. ATMs are out, meaning they're empty. Now, what are you going to do? You don't have cash. You don't have credit cards. There's nothing in there. All other services are disrupted. Am I saying being paranoid? No, but you need to be prepared for when this attacks, when this type of attack happens or what, when no, more likely a weather event or a uh, terrorist attack like we had in Washington this week where in, uh, in uh, Moore County, uh, North Carolina. Well, Jim, how can you call that a terrorist attack? Well, it turns out the people in Moore County were allegedly... Uh, protesting a uh, uh, a group who was in town that they didn't want in town. And that's the story for another day. What happened in Washington allegedly is a whole bunch of robberies, Christmas robberies. Medical devices. All these medical devices run off of electric, whether it's your CPAP, CPAP machine, have an extreme cold if you're a diabetic and for all the blood glucose monitors. Right? That's an issue. Pardon me. I'm taking a drink. No, it is regular. It's uh, ginger ale without alcohol. Other medical devices, oxygen. How about you're in a hospital? They go down, they have a backup generator, but that only is for so long to run all their medical equipment. You'd be surprised the number of people that have medical equipment in their house, whether they're oxygen machines. Uh, now the uh, a lot of pacemakers have, uh, not, not now, I mean, it's been a long time, they have uh, Bluetooth uh, enabled, their Bluetooth enabled. I know my brother's, his was uh, Bluetooth enabled. And uh, 
they detected a problem uh, a couple of days before uh, he passed away, and they said, go to the hospital now. Right, he got a phone call. Everything else that goes on there. So what do you do? If, right, keep freezers and refrigerators closed. That way we keep, uh, we keep things, no, that temperatures they're supposed to be. And you're going to say, well, Jim, but Jim, it's all these cold, cold temperatures outside. Okay, great. It's cold temperatures outside. Refrigerators not only keep things cold, but keep it warm, keep it at the right temperature. I uh, have a lot of experience with that at, uh, at uh, my uh, parents' summer house where things are in the refrigerator and froze, right? And... And just by keeping it open and shut, open and shut. And we have that at college too. Just keeping things open and shut a couple of times a day, nothing freezes. You keep things uh, shut and cold weather, guess what? It might freeze. Do not use a gas stove or oven to heat your home. Yeah, that's because of carbon monoxide poisoning. We talked a lot about here, that on here, where you can, that's actually one of the uh, greatest uh, uh, threats to a homeowner for poisoning is carbon monoxide. Disconnect appliances and electronics to avoid damage from electrical surges. So when the power comes on, you may get an electrical surge. Have alternative plans for refrigerating medicines or using powder-dependent medical devices, power-dependent medical devices. There are all, all alternatives. I'm not going to recommend anyone in particular, but you have to do an assessment yourself and figure out for yourself what you're going to need to do. And check with local officials about heating and cooling locations over near you. So Buffalo, I know, and a lot of the other areas around the country, New York City is one of them. They have uh, heating and cooling locations, right? Heating this time of year, cooling other times of year. But what is? Uh, but what's the whole point here? Assess the three A's. What we use in uh, disaster: assess, analyze, and act. Assess what your needs are going to be. Analyze what you're able to do, and then act. So, I I always say this, and this is probably because of the. Uh, 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 probably because of a couple of families I know who went quote unquote off the grid as far as energy is concerned. It took them about a year and a half. All right. If you're going to be in an apartment house or high density, other high density housing, there, your options are very limited. But what can you do? Uh, talk to the management group for that. What, what, are our, what are we doing as far as power outages are concerned? Want to make them real comfortable? Talk to an HOA about what their plans are in disasters. We've had Dawn Becker on the air several times here with uh, uh, talking about homeowners associations and how they're underinsured. Do they have enough insurance with this? What are their plans? How are we going to do this? Do they have a disaster response or disaster preparation coordinator to help things? That could be Right, you want to become a leader in your community? That could be a leadership as a leadership opportunity, even if in, on an unofficial uh, level. So, what do you need to do to prepare for a power outage? Okay, you know, power supply. What are you going to do? A generator? Are we going to use it properly? Is the generator going to be thirty or forty foot away from the house? Is uh, do we have enough fuel? Uh, how are we going? What are we going to connect it to? Is it going to be connected to the home power? Or are we going to run off of extension cords? 
are, how are we going to secure the thing? Because I assure you that I'm, things are probably being stolen out there in Buffalo right now. So uh, this is right off of ready.gov. Go to a community, they recommend going to a shelter if uh, with power if heat or cold is extreme. Prepare for a power outage. Taking, take an inventory of the items you need that rely on electricity. Plan for batteries and other alternative power sources to meet your needs when the power goes out. So what we've done in our house is every entrance has a flashlight. So you want a flashlight? You go to the entrance of the house and you will find a flashlight. This way, everybody knows where they are. We also have every medicine cabinet has a flashlight. That means every bathroom has a flashlight. So we have central locations there. Also, each child in their nightstand has a flashlight. That's what they say, have a flashlight for every household member. And conserve whether, uh, and conserve whether it's going to be there. Determine whether your home phone will can work in a power outage and how long battery backup will last. If you have all of that. Uh, do you have an old-fashioned hardwired phone like my mother? She, We have uh, voice over internet here. And uh, no, like most homes now. But my mother, hey, there's a power outage. Good chance that phone is still going to work there. Determine whether your home phone will work in a power outage. Know your medical needs. Talk to your medical provider about a power outage plan for medical devices powered by electricity or refrigerated medicines. So they do make small uh, batteries about the size of a car battery and moving on up power banks that could run small refrigerators. I used to have a very small refrigerator for uh, one of the projects I was on where we needed one. And uh, that's where we kept samples in there or uh, either samples and then, you know, you can't mix, mix, uh, mix up your samples for like air samples, water samples, soil samples with uh, a food, right? So uh, we had a small refrigerator that was, I'm talking maybe, maybe uh, uh, eight inches by eight inches by eight, eight inches that we were able to keep things cool. Right, and it would be good for like two or three bottles of water, uh, medicine in there, and everything else. You could probably hook that up to a battery or a generator, no problem. Uh, what is uh, so? For example, some medicines they reckon they say, well, they're in a refrigerator, but if you read the instructions and you everything, you could probably get by with some medications. I'm not going to say which ones. I do know which ones, by the way. You could get away with a little bit of a higher temperature. Install battery operated, right? Carbon monoxide detectors, right? On every level of your home. This way, if there is a carbon monoxide buildup, you'll have everything in there. Our, as far as cooking is concerned, right? Gas, right do you have gas for like a stove, charcoal grill, what have you, you know? Uh, with that. Consider turning off the main power to your house until power is returned. Why? You can't turn off everything. You're always going to miss one item and a power surge. Getting out of that power at one time may uh, destroy something. Food storage. Have enough non-perishable food and water. What they're recommending is 48 to 96 hours. If you recall from our disaster response uh, month, that's what we call a class two emergency. That's what the safety wars calls it. 
there are four levels, right? Where you have a 24, no, zero to 24 hours, 24 to 72 or 96 hours. That's category two. Category three is uh, up to uh, 30 days. And category four is in excess of uh, 30 days. Right, we can plan for zero to 72 hours, 96 hours, something like that pretty easy. Most people could. Uh, anything after that, guess what? You might have a, it's a lot harder. And if you're worried, uh, no, a week or two, maybe you could do. A month or more, you're gonna have a problem, especially with food storage. That's where your non-perishable food is. Generators, read the instructions. Do something that nobody does. Read the instructions. Now, I suspect a lot of the folks who uh, left their house to get food were probably elderly or disabled. That's an issue out there uh, with that. So if you have elderly or disabled family members, check in on them. Find out what their situation is. You may want to have, uh, often what families will do is uh, the, uh, in an emergency, a uh, disaster, the person with the least mobility in the house, that's their, the, uh, if you can't get them into another location that's secure, they make that location secure, right? So the person with the least mobility, that's the room everybody hangs out in for mobility, for heat, for everything. Why? Person has no, no, no mobility, you're going to now have to expend energy and do setups elsewhere. But what the, what's the thing? Pre preparation. This is the other thing, psychological stuff, right? Psychological resiliency in a disaster. You have folks out there what do we what do we have? We're, we have people on smartphones, right? Or I call them dumb phones half of the time. You have people on uh, TV, right? TVs have gotten better uh, over the years uh, with the flat screen TVs. They use a lot less energy. You may be able to run a TV off of one, right? But uh, uh, off of a generator or off of a power bank, but uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't guarantee it. What are you going to do to keep your mind occupied in this cold? I know during Superstorm Sandy, we had family members that were listening that were used to watching TV. Well, guess what? They didn't have TV. I, I didn't miss a beat because, you know, everyone knows I'm an audiophile and talk radio junkie. So what did I do? I had my little radio, transistor radio, a little bit bigger radio, and we were, uh, no, I didn't miss anything. While other family members were like, uh, I can't do this. I can't watch TV. I can't read a book. I can't do this. What am I going to do? And they're literally bugging out. I think this would be worse today with no internet access. Right? Where are you going to get your information? Again, this is where a local radio comes in handy. 
You may want to be, uh, you may want to have a ham radio where you have a whole network of people out there that you deal with across your radio and you have a shortwave radio or CV radio or other thing that gets even whether, no, depending on what you need, two or three miles or 50 miles, 60 miles, 100 miles. What are you going to do for communication? Right. Cell networks. So the cell networks are going to be down. And now you can't have five people on a cell phone. So maybe you have one cell phone at a time on. Maybe you send out text messages to your support network, including your family all across the country. Hey, you're we're OK. Giving them updates through text messages. Right. Because those use a lot less energy. All that stuff. How are you going to do this? Communications. So what else? Uh, mobility issues, to, and I'm still on ready.gov. How about weather radio with text display if you're going to be deaf or hard of hearing? How about if you're deaf, for example, extra hearing aids, pen and paper, battery operated lantern, something, no, what have you. That's for, you know, planning ahead of time. All right, so we're going to take a little break, and now I'm going to stop my rant or my ramble, whatever we're calling this, and we're going to talk about something a little bit more safety-oriented uh, with this and our thoughts, our prayers are for the people in the weather-impacted areas. And um, like I said, I'm not going to uh, back off on a lot of what I said. A lot of this stuff is to keep people we're, we're in since September 11th, 2001, a constant state of anxiety in this country, especially in the Metro New York area with disasters, all the way the news coverage is going on everything. If you're prepared, are you going to be able to be manipulated that much? Prepare as you're able to. You're not going to be able to. And, uh, now, the time to start preparing for disaster is not a week, uh, not uh, the day before, especially with this one. They knew it was coming. It's constantly a year before. And for Safety Awards, this is Jim Polzel. We're going to break. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA recordables, first aid cases, catastrophic losses, 
You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. We have a little bit of financial uh, news here. Uh, the metals markets are still open. So we got gold at 1812, up slightly. Silver at 2406, up slightly. Platinum up to 1047.30, up slightly. And palladium at 1860.50. So I don't know if you folks heard about this one. Uh, there's been a little bit of a media blackout here. An executive producer at ABC News dies suddenly at the age of 37. And uh, the sudden unexpected death of executive uh, of producer for ABC's This Week with George Stephanopoulos at age 37 over the weekend has come uh, sounding alarm about the dangers of possible dangers of COVID vaccinations, even though it has not been determined if the shot played a role. Uh, the person who died is Dax Tahera. I'm sorry if I am not pronouncing that correctly. Dax Tahera. Died, send, died suddenly Friday. ABC's Rachel Scott reported on the air on Saturday. The cause of death was reportedly a heart attack. And uh, no, our condolences go out to the family there. But uh, again, with the vaccinations, uh, check out with your doctor what your risks are, what the risks are for you of getting one and not getting one. I had a long conversation with my father, uh, my father, my uh doctor on on friday and uh we had uh talks uh no she's like you're not an anti-vaccination person no i'm not an anti-vaccination person i'm fully vaccinated because there was one uh vaccination i had in my records and i said do not give me because i got sick from i'm not going to mention which one she said we got well and she went on and on and on and on and well I, you, you don't have this one this one this one i said okay well you never told me you get this one this one this one I said, as long as you can see, give it to me on a Friday, I don't have an issue. She says, why Friday? I said, in case I have a bad reaction like the other time, I can manage it over the weekend. She said, oh, that makes sense. I said, that's me. So like getting a vaccination is like uh, collecting a soil or water sample or some air samples. You don't do it on a Friday. <laughs> you know, if you're doing it, if you've been doing this long enough, you know, don't do it on a Friday because chances are, if it needs to get in uh, to lab, you're going to exceed the holding, holding time on all this stuff. Get it on Thursday. You get it there Thursday, Friday. They analyze it. You're good. Or they do whatever to it to preserve it, blah, 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 to the, over the weekend, what have you. Get it there on a Saturday. It's iffy. You know, it's a little sketchy. I know back in my younger days when I was not in charge, that's what happened to me many times. So end of the year. Often organizations, uh, employees, organizations, uh, we had to do this in the oil industry all the time. We had to come up with what were called SMART goals. And, you, and people get all freaked out. What is a SMART goal, right? Uh, and my wife ha has to do this with her organizations. There are goals that have to be specific, for S, M for measurable, A, achievable, R for relevant, or T, time-bound. What's specific? We're talking about what will be accomplished. What actions will you take? Measurable. What data will measure the goal? How much and how well? Is it achievable? Is the goal doable? Yes. 
Do you have the necessary skills and resources? R is irrelevant. How does the goal align with the broader goals? What, why is the result important? And it needs to be time bound. So what are, let's talk about uh, the goals, right? And I have a guide here. This is a very generic guide. Here is from an organization, but every I've seen this so many times. I know where they. I could probably figure out in about thirty seconds where they got this from because I see this over and over and over and over again. Common types of goals are to increase something, make something, improve something, reduce something, save something, or develop someone. Maybe yourself. They're for your day-to-day job. Okay, now, here's my question for you. Okay, we get this. So for safety, what would be a smart goal? This is where we get into trouble here. Well, and the question has to be how, uh, how relevant, no, how compatible, that's the word. How compatible are these smart goals with human and organizational performance? But behavior-based safety is real simple. What will be accomplished? We're going to increase auditing, and we're going to increase near-miss good catch reporting, and we're going to increase that. Oh, really? Well, that's very easy data to measure. Now we get into measurable. So now we're going to be measuring near-miss good catches. I'm going to ask you this. Is your organization mature enough to get to manage that information that they're getting. Do you have mature managers? And I'm going to say that mature managers, because I tell you what, we're, we uh, one of my projects had a near miss last week, and guess what? Half of the people were under the old system, freaking out. Ah, oh, how could he have a near miss? Ah, no, you bad, bad, bad employee you had a near miss. Versus the other half were was like, okay, you had a near miss. Thank God nobody got hurt. Okay, now what went wrong? And how do we prevent that from happening again? What can we do to learn and improve? How's your organization going to handle? That's why you got to be careful with saying we're going to be monitoring these matrices. Is the organization mature enough? What's their reaction? All right. Are these going to be stretches where you're going to say, well, I'm going to have five near miss reports a month. Well, does it, are you working with people that know what they're doing and have a nice system set up? Uh, no, that are that have a system set up. So they're in the skills based mode. So they don't have too much human error there. And there aren't too many near misses there or anything else. Right. That may not be a good place to start with that auditing. All right. Again, the other thing, if you do an audit here, or if you're auditing people, are they going to be okay with the information? Because usually this is what happens, especially the big things. Uh, 95% of the time, or and these are real numbers here, 97% of the time in excess of 90%, everything is going well. There are no problems. Really, and when we do find something, it's some kind of unsafe condition where we don't blame the employee. Well, why don't we uh, blame the employee? Because you guys will fire him or her. Smack, you know, they'll they'll be they'll have to go into you know it'll be like the uh, right and you Star Trek fans will uh, uh, get this. Now, how many lights are there? There are four lights. No, there are five lights. Zap, right? 
and they slap you. And then by the end of the uh, process, how many lights are there? There are five lights. There is actually only four, right? But this is basically what it comes down to with, uh, with that. Is your, is your organization mature enough? Do you have something set up where they're gonna, you're gonna be generating data and how are they going to react to that? Right? What will be accomplished? What will your actions take? So be very careful on what you choose. What are some of the other things? Right? Well, we're going to, uh, right, uh, we're going to conduct training. Right? We're going to start training people. That would be good. That's another good one. We're going to not only educate, we're going to train people and we're going to show them how to do things in the field or get their input on how to do things in the field and make this a, a safer place. So we're going to do this. We identify 25 different activities. We're going to, uh, you know, the first three every quarter, we're going to take a part. Uh, seven or eight activities and we're going to do audit. We're going to write up procedures. We're going to see if the procedures are relevant. We're going to train people uh, and are, we're going to make allowances for operational upsets when these procedures don't apply. And we're going to get everybody here really set up and think oh, this is as safe as possible. That's a good goal, right? That would be with, with that. Housekeeping. Again, low-hanging fruit, housekeeping. The place looks like an S-hole. Let's go and have, uh, we're gonna be housekeeping. I had one organization, they had a major housekeeping push and it took about a year uh, for the housekeeping to go through the whole plant. And they had four people, five people working every day on housekeeping and they threw out containers and drums and all different types of stuff at the end of the year everything was looking really good at that facility and then the next year they said well we're going to paint everything right paint all not not the tanks not the process but like the railings and we're going to beautify this place a little bit make this a positive place really good thing wasn't it now, now the thing is doable when you're a safety person and you have to come up with these smart goals remember it's not you doing them it's not you doing the smart goal it's your team doing it your workplace doing it can you get everybody else on board to, with the smart goal what will your organization handle what will your management handle because i tell you what you come up with a goal and guess what it all falls on you buddy <laughs> right all falls on you now, uh, now, on top of everything else that you have to do as a safety professional and you're doing safety, you're not being a coach out there, you're not helping people along, you're not doing everything, now you're doing safety, now you're doing paperwork to prove that you're doing your goals. Is everybody else gonna be cooperating? Are they relevant to what they're, you're doing? So this is where you could go and when you're creating these goals, hey, what's the organization doing for the next, uh, year what's on tap for the next what are we going to do what kind of work are we going to do is hr putting out anything new because we hate to give all the no let's say hr has a whole bunch of training that they have to go through now you had to do a bunch of training you're going to overtrain people that's happened to a couple of organizations where i was and where the people were overtrained uh what do i mean by overtrained meaning that they uh, uh, 
Now, they got tired of it. They got burned out on it. It became a drag. Can we switch things up? Can we work with other parts of the organization uh, where uh, rather than doing all these training classes, maybe we could integrate some of the training classes with another program? Huh? How about that? Now you got everything going in there all together. And then time bound. What's the specific time frame? I'm going to tell you, if there is no time frame, chances are goals aren't going to happen. Whatever it is, whatever the reasonable thing is. The other thing is who's responsible for this? Who's managing it? Because I tell you what, and it's a cliche, but it works. If no, if no one's responsible, nothing gets done. Right? It's along those lines. So it could be these uh, smart goals, uh, right? Here's a more of the goal. When setting a goal, be specific about what you want to accomplish. Right, this isn't a detail, this is how you're going, but it should conclude answer to the popular W con, uh, questions. Who, what, when, where, which, why, right? Why, what's the reason for the goal? And, you know, uh, you have all different guides. They're measurable. What kind of measurable? Is there a direct... Uh, measurement that can be made. That's why it's very, very uh, attractive for organizations just to put out a TRIR goal or an experience modification uh, rate goal or something like that because now that you, it's easy to do. But I'm going to challenge everybody out there to try to have something that's not so easy to measure sometimes. There are things, ways that you're... Uh, Things that you can't measure that are very critical to safety, for example, corporate culture. Very difficult to measure that. Very uncomfortable to measure that in safety. The other thing is this, with the way that human error works, I've been at organizations that were doing things like they were doing all along with no accidents and no injuries. Then one year, everything goes to Guvno. Right, one organization over a 20-year period, there was a two-year period, they had no OSHA recordables. And then there were, was an OSHA recordable, they have three or four a year. That's what they get. That's what they are. Is, there a, is it achievable? Is it uh, something that can be achieved, relevant or time-bound? Now, my question is this. I've gone on, now, I worked in corporate America for many years. I had corporate goals, uh, corporate jobs, right? Early in my career, I had my own company for a long time now. It's scary. Uh, a lot of the organizations where you had to report to oil companies, we had to have smart goals. My question is this, you're working in an organization, you could be a manager, you could be an owner, you could be a regular working stiff, as they say. Up, up here what what uh, about your organization does your organization have their own smart goals do you have the stones to go up to your boss and say hey uh, what are our goals for the year if they're a leader I can tell you what if they're a good leader they're going to be telling you what their goals are for the year they're going to be communicating their goals well as an organization what are our goals for the year 
scary question to ask. You may not like the answer that you get. I did this one time with the organization I belong to, I worked for, and I had some pointed questions and they gave me answers that were deceptive, very deceptive. And I knew that they were deceptive. So I made it a point to get out of the organization because we're dealing with very deceptive answers. And 10 months after I left the organization, what I, the things that they weren't honest with me about came to fruition. And I called it exactly how it was. And the people who stayed with the organization had nightmares there. So a lot of people, uh, for years afterwards, because the organization took a totally different direction than what they were. And now, you know, it's one of those things. Does your boss have a smart goal? Does, what's your bosses? What's your organization? What's their goals? So maybe after you get done sharing your smart goals, you generate these things great. Now you could say to them, well, what are the organization's smart goals? Well, right, and you'd be nice and professional about it, non-confrontational, say, look, I really like working for this organization. I really, this organization's ability to create a product and deliver it to market or provide a service is critical for me. What's our SMART goals at, our, at this organization, at this facility, on this project? Are we actually going to meet them? You turn, you can turn it around on them. That's uh, again, part of the, I had a uh, relative say, well, Jim, what is the point of safety wars? We have a lot of points here. Disaster preparation. This is born out of COVID uh, where we had people, uh, you know, we, we knew that this was coming for a long time, a pandemic, and we were, uh, uh, we could have done a better job managing it. And when I say we, I mean, we as safety professionals and us as a country. And part of what we do here is spreading the word here on Safety FM, spreading the word to make things better, get people. My personal thing is disaster preparation. Right. And things like that. But what's the other thing is having backbone, sticking up for yourself. That's the big thing with that we're pushing here, teaching people, giving them the skills, giving them the confidence, giving them the knowledge, everything that goes up with sticking up for themselves. I didn't do a very good job for it for many years and I suffered the consequences. I don't want to see other people suffer the consequences, especially people in my family who I love. Right? So, Turn it back on your organization. Hey, what are your smart goals? What, what, no. Well, what are we looking to do here and how are we going to measure this? What's the end goal here on this? Your organization owes that to you. And we're going to, uh, you know, continue with some holiday music. I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. We're uh, commemorating, or I don't know the correct word is for Kwanzaa this week. Uh, this week. Uh, and 
And I just want to tell everybody, please go out there and continue to fight that safety war. We're going to know we've done pretty good with it in 2022. We're going to fight that safety war in 2023. And we're going to make our organizations better, make ourselves better, increase capacity, resilience, get prepared out there and do everything else that we do for safety wars. This is Jim Pozel. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.